the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is. Welcome back. Tuesday, November 30th, 2021. About two months ago, we pointed out something that in normal times would be seen as so abnormal that it would be front page news, garnering all kinds of legacy media, morning shows, interviews, seeking out all kinds of experts to give advice and talks on. I'm speaking of the 90,000 Americans we were told died from drug overdoses, a number that has now become 100,000. But we do not live in normal times. In normal times, a great many things would have garnered that attention. Think about it. Do you realize the withdrawal from Afghanistan was only three months ago? 13 Americans killed, country abandoned, refugees created, allies left behind. Three months ago. It took us decades to get past the Vietnam syndrome. Of course, the death, or really better written, the killing of six innocents in Wisconsin from the weekend is totally gone and referred to by CNN and the Washington Post as a car accident. You know, because, of course, people don't kill people. Cars kill people. Isn't that what the Brady Center keeps telling us about guns? It's always the instrumentality, as if there is no human or sentient rationality or irrationality, no human agency behind it, which is the result of what used to be called value-neutral political science. There's no truth or human responsibility or, more importantly, judgment or value in certain practices. Margaret Mead can go to Samoa, describe the cannibalism there, but there can be no judgment as to that culture. That's just simply what they do there. It's pretty easy, in fact. It's a local train ride to go from indifference and neutrality to perversions and inversions of right and wrong, good and bad. If you're willing to admit no human behavior is any better or worse than any other because it is a cultural practice or norm elsewhere, it takes one from a specifically noble point of view, say that all life is to be honored and respected, to an insouciant or indifferent view that there is no rank or value difference between a culture that believes that and one that does not. The obvious and only outcome from that surrender or a value or that surrender of appraisal is one that soon results in there being no difference between good and bad. And if there is no difference between good and bad, it's an even shorter, more local train ride to elevating and transmuting what used to be seen as bad or evil or unjust into something good, decent, and just. How else do you get to attitudes of blame America first? How else do you get elected congressmen and women, some from countries that would otherwise mutilate their children or these would-be congresswomen at birth, how do you else do you get these congresswomen who call America racist or evil, but use none of that language for other countries or other cultures? It turns out the value judgments are only neutral when it comes to others' behavior. 
And if you can remove the human element of rationality or discovery of truth, take away the concept that man can know the difference between good and evil, why, we simply start blaming instrumentalities, inanimates, and make them the problem. It's a great deal easier to say bad things about guns and cars or other unthinking, non-living objects than it is to try to analyze, understand, shape, or even sometimes criticize human behavior or, or hold humans responsible for their behavior. But if you actually want to solve the problem, most would still agree it isn't a completely bad idea to try and understand motive, intent, priming, and reasoning. Or is it? There's a horrible school shooting out of Michigan today. Do we not want to know the energumen of that gunman? A lot of judgment was imputed to Kyle Rittenhouse. It still is. None of it is being imputed to or even investigated in the case of the maniacal criminal in Waukesha or Waukesha. It's the car, after all. As soon as someone figures out that slavery is itself a bad thing and not just bad because America did it and ended it nearly 160 years ago, perhaps we can actually start blaming countries that engage in it today. Take China as an example rather than excusing it or trying to cover it up. It's a funny thing how the value-free political science has worked out. We can discover and judge things bad if America does them, but not if others do. Heck, we can discover and judge things bad if America did and ended them generations and decades ago. One might say in our case of slavery, eight score ago, double the four score between declaring our independence and eradicating that slavery. In other words, here it's been twice as long since we ended slavery than it was that we had it, and then only in part of the country where we had it, as I continually remind the smaller part of the country that actually lost the war dedicated to trying to preserve it. But today we still, of course, repine and shrove over it, which is right, lest we forget what evil is and what human beings are and are not capable of doing to one another. Thus, with all this blame America first, inversion of right and wrong, disrupted and distorted view of values, we learn that the great liberal conscience of our environment and ethos, a former Secretary of State, a former candidate for president, a former U.S. Senator, John Kerry, can meet with China's leaders, as he did this month, and refuse to raise the contemporary and real-time issue going on over there that Americans still blame themselves for, even as we ended it 160 years ago. I'm speaking of slavery. Here's the story from the New York Post, which you cannot evidently link to if you're a student at the Cronkite School of Journalism at ASU. Here it is. Quote, John Kerry was responding to a query from a reporter who asked the former Secretary of State if he had mentioned human rights issues, including Beijing's use of forced labor in Shenzhen for building solar panels during recent meetings with Chinese leaders. John Kerry responded, quote, well, we're honest. We're honest about our differences, and we certainly know what they are, and we've articulated them. But that's not my lane here, Kerry said. That's my job is to be the climate guy and stay focused on trying to move the climate agenda forward. Close quote. Slavery, not his lane. Got it? The environment and all the mechanisms that affect it. 
more important than human slavery, which must mean that the ends justify the means, something no country calling itself opposed to tyranny ever accepted. Why, have courts of, why, why, why even have courts of justice or law here at all if the ends and the hands and minds of certain leaders justify any means of getting there? Well, ignoring slavery is one thing. Dismissing it as unimportant is yet worse. Dismissing it as less important than, say, vagaries over the climate is worse yet. But as we learn from King Lear, you cannot say it is the worst if you can say it is the worst. So at the risk of ruining that Shakespearean rule, I think this is worse. From the Free Beacon, quote, John Kerry holds a $1 million stake in an investment fund that backs a Chinese company under fire for using slave labor. U.S. Customs and Border Protection seized a shipment last week from L-O-N-G-I Green Energy Technology, the world's largest maker of solar panels. L-O-N-G-I buys polysilicon, a material used in the production of solar panels, from three companies that get their raw materials from Shenzhen-based Hoshan Silicon Industry. Hoshan was placed under restrictions by the Biden administration in June for using forced labor in a region of China where Uyghurs and other Muslim minority groups are being held in massive detention centers and made to work against their will, close quote. Now, you may ask, how do these slave labor products end up in the United States anyway, especially if the Biden administration is trying to curb some of them? Well, there's been a two-year effort underway to stop this. It's called the Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act, a law flying around the House and Senate in Washington, D.C. Guess who spent Millions of dollars lobbying against that act. Three companies, Nike, Apple, and Coca-Cola. Oh, and according to several reports and other U.S. senators, John F. Kerry. Well, you may say, all those images of slavery we know of from America's experience is not what's going on in China. You know, good slavery, bad slavery. Well, here's the Rand Corporation. Quote, one million Uyghurs and other ethnic minorities, maybe more, have vanished into a sprawling network of camps and prisons in China's far west. Chinese officials at first denied the camps even existed. Then they claimed they were for training workers or for re-educating potential radicals. <laughs> they thought that would fly here. No, they're just for re-educating potential radicals. Well, it does fly here. That's what's going on in our schools. But then they said it didn't matter. According to Rand, everyone had graduated and was simply free to go. However, satellite data reviewed by Rand tells a different story. The data show, quote, bright lit compounds in the desert dark, wall after wall of barbed wire, and a sudden rush to build what appears to be fortified preschools, close quote. Starting in 2016, Rand continues, China launched a campaign of repression, banning Muslim names, forbidding long beards. It transformed the vast Uyghur homeland of Shenzhen into one of the most sophisticated surveillance states in the world, bristling with police checkpoints and facial recognition cameras. Then people began to disappear, close quote, disappear. We've spoken of this before. 
children coming home from study abroad to find A, no house because it's been plowed over, B, no family, and C, no friends because they've been detained. Whitaker Chambers described the screams all ex-communists heard, the sound that first turned their heads away from communism, human screams of terror. But none of this is John Kerry's lane, as he said. Gee, if only we knew it was that easy. I suppose, just now, the defense team for that car in Waukesha is wondering if they can simply argue their client was simply in the wrong lane. We might even call it the Kerry defense. No human cause, no judgments of good and evil, at least not for those crimes against people or humanity the left is willing to excuse for the greater good as they or Mao or Lenin or Stalin or Hitler define it. Who thought it happened here? Well, the receipts of continually thinking it never could are now in. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. Yesterday, Jen Psaki, the president's uh, spokesperson, the White House press secretary, was asked uh, why the president hasn't visited the members of the Christmas parade attack in Waukesha. And she said, and I'm quoting from the transcript at the White House here, Quote, obviously, any president going to visit a community requires a lot of assets, requires taking their resources. And it's not something that I have a trip previewed at this point in time. But we remain in touch with local officials. Obviously, any president going to visit a community requires a lot of assets, requiring taking their resources. And it's not something that I have a trip previewed previewed at this point in time, but we remain in touch with local officials. That was yesterday. As I broadcast with you today right now, the president has made a trip. He overshot Wisconsin and landed in Minneapolis to give a speech on his infrastructure deal. Evidently, for that infrastructure talk in Minnesota, which is farther away from D.C. than Wisconsin by one state, they had the assets. They had the resources. And simply remaining in touch with local officials wasn't enough. Now, what's interesting about that is someone might say, well, is the president, every time someone gets killed or there's a tragedy, the president or Joe Biden has to weigh in? No, certainly no rule on that whatsoever. It's just that he kind of created that rule last year when he flew in to Kenosha to visit with Jacob Blake's family and then phone called Jacob Blake at the hospital. Couldn't visit Jacob Blake one on one, two reasons, under arrest for rape, and two, COVID. But it wasn't just Joe Biden who saw fit to go to Kenosha then, last year. So too, 
did Kamala Harris. She went so far as to when she called Jacob Blake, tell him she was proud of him. She was proud of him. Okay. Okay. Now, someone will say, yeah, but, you know, as a candidate, as a presidential candidate, those are, well, using Jen Psaki's language, less assets and less resources than when you're the president of the United States. Well, let me tell you, as uh, someone who has been around candidates for presidency of the United States, as well as one or two presidents, the assets and the resources are different. But at that point, not much. Ever been to a presidential rally of a non-incumbent? You got your big airplanes. You got your big entourages. You got your secret service. Yes, you have the secret service as a candidate. You have an awful lot. The only thing you don't have is the White House travel office, which makes everything a little bit easier. So again, here we are. No attention, no crime, no interest, no outrage, and not even a phone call to the families of the victims to tell them from Kamala Harris or Joe Biden that they're proud of them. Why is that? Why is that? Wrong kind of victim, right kind of alleged assailant. That's why. So we're learning through the honesty of the left that maybe it's not 1984 and Orwell that defines our moment these days. Maybe it's Animal Farm and Orwell. That defines our times these days. For yes, they will give lip service to the notion that all men are created equal. Joe Biden gave it great lip service. He called it the thing. The thing. You could just hit F7 and instead of typing out the Declaration of Independence, you can just get the thing. He paid it lip service. Go, you you know the thing. Do it again. Please choose to be self evident. All men and women created by. Go, you know the you know the thing. Isn't that funny? Equal is the word he has a hard time with. Equals the word that left him. Equals the word he couldn't summon. Isn't that funny? I didn't it didn't dawn on me in this context until you did that, Bill. Thank you. Equal was the word he choked on. Because that's why I say Animal Farm. Maybe not nineteen eighty four. Animal Farm. We believe in the thing. It's just that some things are more thingy than others. I guess that's how he'd render it. And we'd think that's a better use of language and leadership than what we had this time last year. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. 34 past the hour brings us culture and economy update. The culture and economy update. I think we have a TM on that with the great John Dombrowski from Grand Canyon Planning Associates. 
GrandCanyonPlanning.com for all your estate, retirement, and financial planning. He also has his own radio show right here every Saturday morning at 7 a.m., The Word on Wealth. J.D., what is the good word today? Hey, how's it going? I'm fine. It wasn't that great, though. The market wasn't that great today. <laughs> Unless you owned Apple, I guess. Right. Oh, boy, you saw that. I yes. did. I yes. wanted to talk to you about that if you if you, sure. if you want to. Sure. But I'll not interrupt and let not you at all. take us wherever you want to go. Yeah, we did see Apple stock was kind of the... Uh, Worked opposite of what the market did today. We saw that. See, tech- look at what well, you're such a nice guy. I I interrupt with a topic, and you say, "Oh well, okay, uh, yeah, you saw that." And then and then and then I say, "No, but you say whatever you want." And you were so polite. You said, "No, we'll do your time." Yeah, <laughs> no, whatever. I mean, it's all good. good. Ma- yeah, you're a good. Oh, you're a I nice go, guy. I'm gonna go with the flow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, I interrupted. Sorry. No, no I'm going. I'm going downstream. Just in my raft. I'm just enjoying the view. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Apple, go ahead. App, yeah, okay. Yeah. So um, we did see the market pull back today, though, yes. Uh, and we saw the NASDAQ, which is uh, you know primarily tech stocks. And uh, we would think, okay, well, uh, the NASDAQ was down, I think it was about 1.3% today. And uh, we would think that, well, most likely, uh, NASDAQ 1.6% down today. We would think that um, most of the big tech stocks would have fallen, which they did, except Apple, which bucked the trend today. And you know, the question is, why would Apple stock, right. uh, you know, go in the opposite direction as, uh, say, Google, Amazon, uh, Meta, the, the, you know, the new Meta, which is the formerly known as Facebook. Right. We got Maybe that's the new name for it, Meta <laughs> formerly known as. Um, and Microsoft even down today. So those big tech stocks, uh, the... the um, if we think about this, uh, one of the reasons is is because Apple stock is so well uh, positioned as far as financially. They've got a tremendous amount of cash. Yeah, and, that's what they're saying, right? They can this. handle these interruptions. Mm-hmm. They yeah. can handle these. That's right. These interruptions and possibly a slowdown in uh, iPhone sales or iPad sales or the MacBooks and so forth. Uh, they have enough to stand, you know, uh, alone without having to worry about uh, these little blips in the market. Now, I would say this is that, yeah, we think about Friday was a very, we talked yesterday about this, how it was a pretty volatile day on Friday because of the thin trading. Uh, and then yesterday it was a rally back. It looked like some of the people coming back after the holiday weekend uh, just thought that prices maybe fell enough to where it was time to start dipping your toe in the water and buying some of these stocks at a lower value. Uh, but then today we saw a pullback. Now, why did we see a pullback today? Well, it's still possibly some of the idea of, uh, the virus, the, the yeah. new virus, right? I uh, keep strain. reading that. Yeah, yep. there's this uncertainty and worry about this. But what's yeah. interesting is I heard someone from South Africa, there was a doctor down yep. in South Africa that's studying this uh, new strain, basically saying that they're not seeing anything right. out of the ordinary. It right. doesn't look like it's going to be worse than uh, the initial phase of uh, COVID. Not even any hospitalizations, not as I understand. That's yep. right, yeah. yeah. So this yeah. is directly from the horse's mouth right. down there, right? Yeah. So, yeah. But over here, we're uh, taking a different approach approach mm-hmm. that, okay, this, uh, you know, we're going to brace for the worst again. Uh, should we prepare for maybe some uh, negative uh, impact? Yes, but uh, from what it looks like, let's not jump the gun here yet. And let's, uh, you know, hope that it's not going to be worse and that what this doctor down there, the research that they're doing is uh, stating that it's not as bad, which is great. Uh, but then also we had Fed Chair Powell yep. uh, today speaking uh, and answering questions uh, from the panel today. And it looks like from what he said, and this kind of threw a little shock through the market, that it's possible that they may speed up 
the tapering of the bond purchases. Now, what does that mean? It means that they're going to tighten up the money supply. And if they tighten up the money supply, well, then these higher uh, you know, priced-to-earnings uh, stocks, such as growth stocks, tech stocks, may feel a little bit of that pinch if the cost of money uh, does increase for them as far as their growth strategies and plans may be. So that's, that's really what it looks like is the effect of the markets today. Well, good. And it is funny, you know, nothing highlights the the notion or the saying that money is a coward. Nothing highlights it more than this kind of thing that we're getting from uh, this new South African variant, mm-hmm. isn't it? I yeah. mean, this Omicron, we, we have, yes, a warning may not even be in the U.S., uh, at least according to, to Anthony Fauci, it may not even be in the U.S., but we have the warning of this new strain and money flies out, flies away, money, the, the market's the market, the market's dip. Well, I think again, for those who are long term, if we look at this yep. on a long term basis, yep. this is just part of what the market does. Yep. Don't let it phase you. If you need your money tomorrow because you're living off of that, it's a different story. Yep. But if you've got time on your side, that's always the key. Securities and advisory services offered to Client One Securities LLC, member of Finner's Typical Investment Advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Client One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Thank you, Seth, so much. Bless you, John Dombrowski. We'll talk to you soon. Yes. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. There's someone I haven't heard from in a while, Rick in Phoenix. Hello, Rick. Hello, my friend Seth. How are you, sir? I hope you had a good holiday and everything else. Thank you very much. I did have a wonderful holiday, and I hope you did, too. I heard you did. I Yeah, I did. I I, I was just thinking of that sentence construction. After today... Day, or really after um, Thanksgiving, if someone says happy holidays, you kind of cringe and you kind of want to say Merry Christmas to them, don't you? <laughs> but it's okay in another way to say it about Thanksgiving, going into Thanksgiving, isn't it? You can say that, can't you? I, I yep. wished my producer a happy holiday last week before we signed off. And he said to me, Happy Thanksgiving, as if he was doing the Happy Holidays, Merry Christmas, one-upsmanship situation. <laughs> and I had to instruct him on this. I think I'm right, aren't I not? Am I not right, Rick? You can I, say I, Happy I, Holiday I, when everyone knows it's Thanksgiving. Except, yeah. I, take, mm-hmm. I take Happy Holiday, Happy Thanksgiving, Merry Christmas. I, I, I like all of them. Uh, maybe we should just get rid of the uh, of of uh, of all forms of uh, synecdoche and just say Happy Thanksgiving and Merry Christmas. Maybe just be done with it. Well, I don't know. I I just I just that like- will be the new bumper sticker for this show. <laughs> Listen like the- from three to six. Get rid of all forms of synecdoche. There you go. Okay. All right. <laughs> I, I I just like and the don't amanitize the eschaton. I, yeah, I just like the joy of the season. There. <laughs> you know, so that's, you're going into season's greetings? Are you doing that, buddy? Yeah. Oh, dear. Greetings. We Happy have bigger holiday, problems than I thought. Okay. Yeah, you All right. bet. <laughs> All right. Talk to me. What's up? Okay. Seth, your monologue today, thank you for taking my call, by the yeah, way. Your, you your monologue today was absolutely outstanding. Thank you, thank you for pointing out again yet another example of the left hypocrisy 
and it reminded me of an old Moody Blues song. I can't remember the title of the song, but it had a line in it that said, "There is none, there is none so blind as those who will not see." I know you're out there somewhere. I know you're. You want to go it. out? That, yeah. You want to go out with that? I know you're out there somewhere by the Moody Blues Bill. If you don't that's, mind, if you have time, yeah, I yeah. know you're out there somewhere. Right? Yeah, that's 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 a great one. And that line, I believe, is an apt description of the left but not just the left, also liberals and in the middle and even conservatives. I, I'm afraid that in our nation we have this real veil over our thinking, uh, over our, our uh, morals, over our ethics, that is keeping many, many people from seeing the truth, yeah. and as you pointed out so eloquently on Monday, not my truth, mm-hmm. but the truth. Yeah, and we've discussed this before. You know that so often you'll say something to someone or point something out, and their eyes just glaze over, like, huh? "What? What are you talking about?" You know, uh, it's just amazing to me. And so I'm, I'm, I believe that we need to encourage everyone to be praying that God will lift the veil of darkness off of America's eyes and minds and remove the cataracts so that we can see things clearly. Because I'm convinced that this is the reason that we have such confusion and such I don't know what else to call it, goofy ideas that are just flooding and floating around in our society. It's amazing how much people don't know, and when you educate them how much it collides with their ignorance, that it's easy for them to deal with their ignorance than the new information that has been made available to them. That is... That's exactly what I'm saying. You know, people prefer their cave and their blanket and their blinders, perhaps... Um, right. I, I was talking <laughs> it's amazing even look I don't have a, a I didn't know whether to raise this I don't have a dog in this fight I really don't but I was talking with two other people both Catholic and one of them is a student at a Catholic school okay at a uh-huh. Catholic school uh-huh. and and was invoking the Pope 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 Francis and the other person said, I, I really don't care what Pope Francis says. I think he's more a communist than a religious leader. And uh-huh. this person who is in Catholic school said, what do you mean a communist? I've never heard of that. And I have to tell you, the discussions about Pope Francis and communism have been proliferant for years yeah. For years, even he addressing it, even he giving speeches yeah. on why it's not ca- communism but Catholicism. Yeah. Now, again, I don't mean to get into a fight of any kind, religious or otherwise here. Just saying that maybe if you're at a Catholic school, you might be somewhat familiar if you're going to invoke the Pope that there is this debate about him. Or at least you shouldn't act or think or be surprised Right, right. When someone says this, 
the problem is even deeper. You know yeah. what it is? It's that communism probably to this student isn't necessarily a bad thing. Yes. Yeah. It's not a pejorative. Yeah. Um, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. There's an amazing amount of things people don't know, even in their, you know, purported field of vision. You would mm -hmm. think someone at a Catholic school would be familiar with these kinds of things. Yeah. Uh, this person was, by the way, very, very, very familiar with environmental concerns. You should. Know. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, wow. My, yeah. But well, that's the, exactly the kind of thing I'm talking yeah. about, Seth. And I, I just I, I can't commend you enough for your monologues and for your show because you are you are powerfully involved in removing that veil in removing that darkness in, in removing those cataracts but boy we have got to really push that because it as you're pointing out uh, so well it, it, it's just absolutely pervasive people just as you say, they don't even know what they don't know. They have no clue and they're not interested. If it disturbs, distorts, or has the potential to even change right. their pre a priori idea fix. Yeah, that's the key to that phrase. There is none so blind as those who will not see. I'll give you the song. Thank you, Rick. Yeah. Thank you, Seth. Here's Professor Moody and his colleague Blues. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Mike is in Maricopa. Hi, Mike. How are you? Absolutely wonderful, Seth. Thank you very much. That's a great uh, answer. I love the attitude. Go with it. Yeah. Very good. It's always good to keep, you know, either that or you can start crying and yeah, roll up and fall. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, as you recall, last week we had talked a little bit about fifth-generation warfare, and last week I was kind of pressed for time, and uh, kind of like the commercial Dennis Prager's been running, talking about generalities, and generalities are good, but sometimes we need a little bit more specific. So if I may, I'd like to talk about some information influence operations in the fifth-generation warfare, kind of like a little bit tying in with your monologue and communism or what we're told and what it's actually about. It I, I'm all in. Here's let, let, let me give you my constraints. Um, I have this being our shortest segment of the hour, Mike, and then a guest. If you want, it sounds like you have a little more than can be done in a minute and a half. So do you want to call me back in about, oh, I don't know, about a half hour or so? Would that be easier? Sounds like a plan. Uh, you, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd love, I'd love to, I'd love to hear about this fifth generation warfare. Is that what we're calling it? Yes, sir. Information influence operations. I'm all about it. I'd love to talk to you about it. I'll look forward to uh, putting a uh, pin in this grenade, and we'll remove it in about a half hour. How's that? <laughs> there you go. God bless you, Seth. I'll <laughs> see you in thirty. Uh, I'll hold you to it. Thank you, Mike. By the way, speaking of influence operations, Twitter has a new CEO. They also have a new guideline. Guess what it says? Quote, the misuse of private media can affect everyone but can have a disproportionate effect on women activists, dissidents, and members of minority communities. When we receive a report that a tweet contains unauthorized private media, we will now take action in line with our range of enforcement options. This is part and parcel of their new rule 
that they will not allow media of private individuals to be shown without the permission of the people depicted. You know what that means? It means no more videos on Twitter, self-made or otherwise, of people engaged in rioting or people engaged in beating up Andy No or things of that nature. But, you know, these exceptions always have to exist, and they will have exceptions as they see that if it, if it helps women, activists, dissidents, and members of minority communities. Quad, licit, jovi, non, licit, bovi. What's good for the gods is not good for the cattle. Hell of a way to run a representative democracy. The great Zooty Jasser coming right up. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 